Hey weirdos, I'm Hannah Sainty and welcome to the Your Weird Podcast, the place that talks to creatives, artists and people living their best lives about how they do what they do, why they do what they do and how being a bit weird is a superpower. If robots are taking all our jobs, we better figure out how to harness the one thing that they can't do, be creative. Enjoy the show. Hello weirdos, welcome back to another episode of the Your Weird Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here and I'm really excited, really excited to bring you this episode because I've just finished my first ever solo show. So I did my first ever one hour comedy show. It was just a trial show, did it at Melbourne Fringe and oh my god did I learn some things which I want to share with you today. So anyone who has been listening along, you may have heard me mention about writing this show Uh, But I haven't really gone into detail about the process of the writing and the experiences of it and just the absolute mental anguish of trying to put something like this together. So there are a couple of layers to it as well. So obviously, I'm still a fairly new comedian. I'm only a couple of years into my career, but I have been a performer for a long time as an actor. But even that, I had a big break in the middle. So it was one of those strange things where I've had this show idea in me for a very long time and I've wanted to put it together. But there was one part of me that was like, I'm not ready to do an era of comedy because, you know, my skill set isn't that high. And then the other part of me was like, yes, I'm definitely still an actor and I can use those skills, but maybe I'm a little bit out of practice because I've been doing comedy for so long now. What am I going to do? But the show itself was the thing that really made me just go for it, as in the narrative. Now, it's really funny because writing anything is always really hard you know there's obviously the first resistance of there being a blank page then you have the next resistance of you know you've gotten to the first part of the arc and you're like the next bit sounds a bit lame you know you get to any part this and you know what this actually goes for any artistic process you know uh, the your weird podcast is about creativity itself I'm not focusing on any medium so it doesn't matter what discipline you're coming from this is why I wanted to talk about it because I've noticed that it doesn't matter what discipline you come from when you're putting together a piece of work we are all feeling feeling the exact same thing so I went and hung out with one of my very good friends yesterday Uh, his name is Michael and he is a musician so he does a lot of electronic music a lot of DJing and producing and as we were talking I noticed that we had the same experience of wanting to create him wanting to create a new track or a new DJ set and me wanting to put on a whole new show and the funny thing is is that I had this idea you know, in the writing process of this show where I really wanted to talk about it because as I was creating it and I was having all of these, like, let's be honest, they were mental breakdowns as I was going ahead. When I would talk about it with other artists who are, you know, performing in festivals, like, yeah, this is the normal process. Yeah, that's a normal process. Oh, you hate everything you've written. You want to chuck it all out. Yeah, that's a normal process. Oh, you want to cancel all of your shows. Yep. That's a normal process. Oh, you feel like you're not funny. That's a process. And I thought, well, fantastic. I can understand how that it is a it is a process, but I didn't know that it was so prevalent amongst every single artist. Almost. Of course there are exceptions and you know there are layers sort of how experienced you are, but even some of the most experienced people will still be feeling the same thing because then you're trying to top the last show that you've done, or maybe you're trying to prove yourself from the last show that maybe it wasn't as good as you thought. And I thought it's all very well and good that we all experience these things, but why the hell has no one like warned you of it? And not even in a warning sense, it's just to make it okay. Do you know what I mean? Like like when I was when I was writing this show, now a bit of context. So my show, I'm literally talking about my life and talking about your your life is very hard. And that being the fact of 
cool. So a narrative, a story needs to have a beginning, a middle and an end. But when it's your life and you're still alive, you've got the beginning. You don't know if you're at the middle and you're certainly not at the end. So where does it sort of hit? And if you have been listening along, you'll also know that I'm already a writer in, in various disciplines, you know, magazines and articles and films, stories, poems, those sorts of things, right? So narrative arc, I get all of that. And to me, all forms of writing, you can do them. It's just understanding a gear change. It's like driving a manual car. You've got to know which gear you've got to be in in order to get the most out of the vehicle, which is your brain. And I thought, yeah, great. I'll be so fine. Like writing a show, yeah, it's going to be hard and I'm going to question myself a lot, but it'll be okay because, you know, I've written stories before. I've written films before. I've got this. I know how my brain works. Turns out that was a uh, just a presumptuous sort of thinking process and I was very very wrong I did give myself the opportunity though to try and understand this mental process a little bit and earlier in the year I did a course on writing a cabaret because cabaret if you don't know what a cabaret is cabaret a lot of the time people think that it's just like sexy dancing with your top off and singing it's not that cabaret is more of an umbrella term which talks about various disciplines of performing that can be put under one umbrella so basically if you have a show that you don't really know what it is it's not stand-up it's not just a comedy skit it's you know it's got some singing, it's got some dancing it's got a bit of everything you can basically just put it under the umbrella of cabaret and as a little safety net for myself I thought oh well I'm obviously going to have some stand-up in it I'm going to have some acting in it I'm not going to be singing in it and I'm definitely not going to be taking my top off in it but I suppose it would just come under cabaret and I thought that's that's safe for me and of course, you know, you need to take risks in your creativity. But I also think when you're, um, when you're a baby or when you're just, you know, treading new territory of the discipline that you've already been doing, you know, like for example, I've already been doing comedy, but I did this, this whole sort of comedy one woman show more about one part of my life. So that's already new territory about talking about things that I don't normally talk about. And now I've made them into a show. And so I allowed myself to have that little safety net of putting it into a cabaret. I'm like, look, we're just doing a trial show. We're just going to do it step by step. Like what's the way that it's already going to be high stress? What is the way I can do this with a little bit less stress and just allow myself to flourish within a parameter? So I registered my show, did it under cabaret, did a little course in cabaret just to understand what I was getting myself into, which is where I learned what cabaret really means. Because I was also one that was just like, oh yeah, you sing and you dance, you wear sexy clothes, great. So when I did this cabaret course, and yes, I did another course. Yes, fine. Everyone knows that I love courses and I have been very good of late and I haven't done really any because I'm just trying to trust myself. But I did this course and what I learned was I should already just trust myself because <laughs> I got a few great things out of it. But for a lot of it, it really just confirmed things that I already knew, that I already thought about and really gave me the confidence to pursue this creative idea. But in saying that, there were a lot of things that I learned. Now, there's there's two things that I really want to focus on today and share with everyone because whether or not you know it and you haven't talked about it or whether or not you want to try and create something and you're nervous, I just, I think that, you know, we can all be a little bit better creatively and, and better as people if we're just a bit honest about our experiences. And one thing I found is I did some research to see if anybody was talking about you know, the main resistance that comes with creating a show, which is like just a full-blown like mental breakdown, like nothing makes sense. Like for example, I've spoken to another um, comic friend who was doing their first show and you hit a point when you're writing it that you start to go, none of this is funny. You've been spending all these hours on all these days and you go, none of this is funny at all. And I spoke to my musician friend about it. He'd been creating this track, had a little break from it, you know, a little breather, which is always really beneficial, I think, to have a breather from something you're making. And he came back and he was like, all of this is terrible. And it's sort of like, if you think about it, 
it's like saying the same word over and over and over again. Like you can choose any word ever, like ordinary, 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 and you keep saying it and then it loses all of its meaning, which is a fantastic place to be to basically break it down. But then there's twofold to that. So there has to be a drafting process. And I don't know about you, but I always think that I'm going to be good at the drafting process. But for the first part, I'm always just thinking it needs to be perfect immediately. So I have to actively make myself sit and go, it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. And just write. I said the same thing to my friend yesterday, who's the musician. And I was like, you need to allow more time for that drafting process. And if you are like a solo creator, you're wearing different hats all the time. Like, you know, it's the same thing as being a small business. You know, you could be at the front of the shop, but then you've got to go do the accounts. They're two very different hats. And I think that needs to be allowed within the creative process as well. You know, you've got idea generation then you've got another hat that is, you know, the drafting mode. Then you've got another hat that's the redrafting mode. Another draft that's like the redraft, redraft, redraft. You know, there's all these different hats where they all require different parts of yourself we have to allow for them we have to give them space we not we need to not put pressure on them but allow time for them and the drafting one is one that I think is really 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 important because I I'm, I'm sure that not everyone feels like this but when I was first writing I don't know even other things that I've written I would be doing the drafting process and I'm pretending that I'm being really honest in myself and just letting myself go for it but there was the future editor who was already trying to edit my work. You can't let that hat come in. You can't let that voice come in. You have to just write and be as silly, as wild, as grammatically incorrect, or if you're in music, as dissonant as you can possibly be to just play. Because through those playing moments and through those moments of like just writing and creating with you know, sweet abandon, you can find gold. Yeah, definitely heaps of it is going to be absolutely shit, but there will be bits of gold in it. And through that drafting process, it's like turning on a tap that hasn't been turned on for a while, right? And the water comes out all rusty and dirty, but then once you let it go, it comes out clear. So that drafting process, I can't even tell you how important that is. So that's number one. Number two is, yes, you're a solo artist, but you don't have to have a solo existence. Again, some people are probably very great at this, but if you're not, and I definitely have not been one, you need to let people in and you need to let them like help. So I discovered this really specifically with my show because I was doing the whole thing by myself. Like, yes, I was taking it to my director, but to my director, I wanted to take a finished, perfected script. And I thought, I'm going to edit the whole damn thing myself. I'm going to do all of this, every single layer of it I'm going to do by myself. But even in the creating process, like there was so much mess going in my head. I had bits all over the place written down. I had these ideas or notebooks, ideas in my phone. I was trying to collate them. And the more that I was trying to collate them, the more overwhelmed I was getting with all the thoughts and the ideas, because clearly some of them are not even meant to go in this show. In the same way that you're writing a book, sometimes you get to kill your darlings, but I couldn't even decide which darlings needed to be killed for this show. And I was talking to another performer friend of mine who was creating her show, this phenomenal one-woman piece that she'd been working on for a long time. A lot of research went into it to create this uh, sort of like acting lecture skit, which was so such an interesting format. But when I was talking to her and telling her about it, she said, who's helping you? I said, no one. And she said, Hannah, you can't do this by yourself. I'm like, yes, I can. Because, yeah, typical Hannah, like independent AF and, you know, I'll get it done solo, thank you. She was like, no, you can't. You need to have someone to bounce ideas from, which makes so much sense. Of course, you need to have someone to bounce ideas from. 
But I thought I'd already talked about the concept, you know, I'd already talked about little bits that I'll probably put into it. So to me, I'm like, I just needed to like knuckle down and get in. But her saying you need help really made me think about the fact that I was, I was proper stuck. Like I had the story, I had the elements of the story, but there was too much and I was overwhelmed. And yes, part of it was because it was a show about me and my life, but also even talking to my musician friends, you know, you have a relationship with your creative piece. And so then you become attached to it. It's like, it's like a strange, it's a very strange, sometimes beautiful, sometimes toxic relationship. And you have no idea what is good and bad anymore. So you need somebody else just to talk to, just to bring it out, who understands what you're doing, who is going to be on your side. It doesn't even, it doesn't have to be a friend. Sometimes that's great not to have a friend who does it, but just someone who understands the format of what you're trying to create and who you are. So for me, what that looks like is I went to my director early, who was also one of my really good friends. I went to her and I said, here's my story. Here's all my pieces. Dude, I can't find an ending. I like, please help me. Like this is, I know what it's about, but I just like help me find the actual vein that runs through the middle and where to cut it loose. Like I just, I got to cut the umbilical cord from this thing. I can't, and I need someone to help me do it. So I sat with her and we talked it out. We talked out my whole show and my mission for it. You know, the the stories that I want to bring in, the genre that I want to create. And just through talking about that, it had nothing to do with the writing. It was just sort of taking about a hundred steps back and looking at it. And from there, together, she helped me to just clear up my eyes and see it really clearly where my beginning, where my middle and where my end is, which then meant that the overwhelm was immediately diminished because every other little fun bit, I just popped it aside and I was like, great, you're for another show. Same thing can happen in music. Great, you're a beautiful, you know, little sample. I'm going to keep you for another song. It can happen for a book. That's a fantastic, gorgeous character. You're going to, you need belong in a different story. You belong in your own story. It can happen with a painting, I think. You can tell me. So getting help is really important. It's also really important because it is, it's really hard when you're doing a solo work. You are so immersed in your own mind. You are so immersed in your own narrative. You become so selfish like not intentionally you're not I mean generally I don't think maybe well I, I wasn't you know just becoming an arsehole to everyone but I just became really like hermit like I just became a hermit which is fine for a time but then you need to you just need to have some people on your side like obviously I've got a wonderful partner who's definitely on my side and supports me in what I'm doing and encourages me but I also needed someone who understood my show and was a part of my show process, which was my director, which is also a director's job, which is if you have that available to you, that's fantastic. But if you don't have a director or you're in a different discipline, it's just someone who understands your craft and understands what you're trying to do so that they can support you to be the best creator that you can be. Because it's, it, I can't believe like how much this isn't talked about in a public domain, you know, like the normal things that happen to your brain when writing and, prep, and prepping how is it normal? Like, excuse me, where's the pamphlet that tells you that you're signing up to become an absolute mental person for a bit? Like you're signing up for pain. It's almost like going to boot camp, but instead of getting ripped, you just get like ripped to shreds. You know, it, it's hectic. It's fantastic. And I cannot wait to do it again because like I love stress, but you're literally just going through this like place of like, oh, idea generation. Great. I'm excited to then panic, to then peace, to then panic, to then you quit and then you recover and then you come back to peace and then you panic and you panic and you panic. Then you become a zombie because you've been awake for three days. Then you recover, then you panic. Then you get into like a real like fuck it attitude and you're like, I'm just going to do anything anyway. And then you panic and then you perform and then you're buzzing. And then finally you get to sleep for like 15 hours, but not for another two days afterwards because you got to come down from the buzz. Like it's just this hectic thing. And 
like Melbourne Fringe, which is what the one that I just performed in, I noticed that they had this whole section on their platform for where you sort of sign up for the show in the registration. They have this whole section on mental health. And I'm like, great, that is so cool. You know, they had um, like a seminar where you go and like just learn how to like really look after yourself in a festival season, which is crazy, like crazy important, so crazy important. But I think that it it belongs in a creative domain for everyone because even if you're not putting something into a festival, if you're doing an art exhibition and you're like frantically trying to paint the last like three paintings and you've got a de- like a deadline, that is so stressful. You know, your painting becomes ugly. I've painted before and been like, yeah, this is amazing. Two days later, I'm like, it's ugly. I've got a deadline. Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like you, there's this whole like, mental process. And I read this, oh, I don't know what the outcome of the study was. I didn't finish reading it because I think I needed a snack. I can't remember. Anyway, um, I read this study about how there was this, they were investigating the relationship between creativity and mental illness. And they were saying that, you know, they've been looking into the correlation of it because obviously there's all these like crazy genius artists, you know, who cut off their ears and send it or, you know, like just like these really intense mental experiences. And I got me thinking, well, yeah, of course, but also maybe being creative is like this eye-opening, soul-wrenching experience, which is absolutely beautiful and fantastic if you can handle it. And maybe it just needs more support. Maybe if we just talked about it and we looked out for each other a little bit more during these processes, maybe we wouldn't all be having like a full-blown mental episode over it. Do you know what I mean? This is just something that I've been thinking about. And I'd love to know what your thoughts are and what your sorts of, um, you know, if you have a team in place to like look after you or help you with your show and your creations. And of course, this doesn't mean that I'm like, you need to have a network and you need to be going to your friends all the time and, you know, sort of pestering people. But it's just in those moments when you're starting to not trust yourself, you're not trusting the work, you're not trusting your ability, those sorts of things. You just need to make sure that there's someone in your corner who supports you. And great if you have that inner partner um, or a best friend or a family member, that's fantastic. But it's just got to be someone in your corner from the craft. I can't express to you enough how comforting it is when there is someone who knows what they're doing and can just say you're doing well you know like I'm I'm very much I've always been a very self-contained person when I create or when I write and when I do things but this next level of creating I'm still going to be doing a lot of it on my own because I am a solo artist but I'm definitely going to make sure that I keep those team mates in place because the other thing about it as well is like even if it's not your own your, your own your own mental freakouts over the shows or the creations that you're making, your music, your paintings, your your book, those sorts of things. Even if it's not those, there ends up being obviously outside sources that seems like Murphy's Law and it's just trying to stop you from doing the thing that you want to do, right? So, for example, like I was like dedicating entire days to my show and every single time I was trying to do that, something like outrageous was happening. Like I was house-sitting, the dog would not go home and I had to run around for ages trying to get her. Like it was just... Like things that are completely out of your control happen, which then means that it pressurizes the time and the stress on you, which isn't always a bad thing. Like I definitely work well under stress. It's not sustainable, but I can work well under stress. But, you know, there's there's stuff like that that will happen. There's, you know, you get called up to go to work. You know, you end up having to, if you're doing a show, maybe you have to go and set up the space or you have to spend time finding a tech or you have to train the tech. You have to do a tech rehearsal and all those things. You know, there's all these external things. You just literally going to have someone in your corner to look out for you because you are literally you're, you're so not trustworthy when you're in this wild state of stress I was after I did I only did two nights of my trial show and after the first night I was doing some rewrites which is great and that's quite normal and um 
then the next day, like, because I, you know, it was this fresh idea that I'd taken to people, even though I had really great feedback, I had one piece of strange feedback from someone. And because I was like so fragile with this show and what I'd done, I immediately went, oh my God, they're right. And it wasn't even anything bad, but I took it on board as like, I genuinely have to change my entire show. I didn't, I just, you know, the next morning after I had a, literally had a cry and a freak out over what I've created, I just sort of sat myself down and was very honest with myself and then fixed my show. But I fixed it a little bit too much. So I take it back to my director before I go to perform it. And she's like, okay, great. All of this, these changes are fantastic, but you've gone too far. Remove the rest of these changes. Do you see what I mean? You can't really completely trust yourself. You just need to have someone in your corner. If you don't have someone in your corner or you can't find someone in your corner, you can literally just even have someone online, you know, join up with like creative groups on Facebook, there's always like, you know, theatre groups, musician groups, those sorts of things. Like you, you'll find them if you jump onto those um, platforms. You'll find that if you post like a problem in there or, you know, even on Reddit, of course, you're going to get some trolls. But, you know, you can put these things out there and just have someone to like literally just boost you up again because it's like lifting weights because you're just holding the weights the whole time. You're not putting them down and sometimes you get fatigued and you just need someone to spot you. So they're the main things that I wanted to talk about, the main big lessons. So let your drafting process be as messy as possible and make sure you've got someone on your team. Yes, you're a solo artist, but it's not a solo existence. And even if a great film director makes fantastic films, it takes an entire team to put it together. So who are you going to pick to be on your team? The other things I learned from this is it doesn't matter how early you start something. When you have a deadline, you cannot start early enough. So even if you have just finished a performance or you've just finished a piece of artwork, start on the next one. It doesn't have to be like sitting down and writing the whole thing or, you know, painting the whole thing and creating it, but just allow your brain to have that little pocket to start working on it because time literally gets pulled away from you and you've got to make more time. You know, like I was dedicating like spots of time to what I was trying to create wasn't enough so you've got to be ruthless be ruthless and let your creativity be the number one driving force in your day in your night and in your life and the friends who are around you you're going to have friends who can support you while you're trying to do this because you're not going to be gone forever but you're just going to go into your little hidey hole to create pop out on the other side and they'll love you because you seem fulfilled they've also been entertained or or inspired by what you've made and if you have people who don't understand that in your life well Maybe they're not as close as what you need them to be. So if you are creating, if you want to create, allow yourself to draft. Start now, even if you have a deadline, just start now. And make sure your network is strong. That's what I wanted to talk about. Um, I hope that helps you out if you are a creative or maybe you're thinking about being a creative. And just let it be known. You're not going crazy. You're just creative. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. Remember to stay weird because being normal is really boring. Bye. Thanks for getting weird with me. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really liked the episode, consider signing up to the Patreon where you can help me help you. You'll get early access, uncut episodes, bonus episodes, and some other cheeky extras that you'll have to check out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now let's be more creative and less strung out. And remember that you're weird because being normal is really boring.